No credentials. Greatest album. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us here at the Sound Logic Podcast. And today we are discussing album number 13 on Rolling Stone's brand new top 500 album list for 2020. This is I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You by Aretha Franklin. I feel the same way about you, Mike. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe that's true. <laughs> romance anthem. Is that what this is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is our um, third new album uh, on right. the 2020 list, and it's the first time we haven't had a guest for um, a new episode here on this new list. And when we say new, if you've just joined us, uh, we got about 60 albums in on the 2012 list before Rolling Stone updated their list. So yep. we've been going back and anyone, any album that we already did a review for, we just uh, have just re-released that with a little preamble ahead. But there are, we're at 13 and there's already been three that we haven't reviewed yet. So this is the third one. This is also the um, third album by a lead female artist. That's right. Um, four, I guess, if you include Fleetwood Mac, who had prominent women on, on that album right. as well. Yep. Um, by this point on the 2012 list, we had not reviewed a single one. <laughs> and uh, no. that's a significant change. I guess we should, since we're talking about that, we should talk about uh, this, this list is showcasing more women and more people of color. Both of whom voted on this list in ways that they didn't really on the 2012. That's right. I agree. So yeah, it took us till uh, 30 to get to a woman last time. By the time we got to 13, we had had, what, only two albums by people of color? Is that right, Ben? What's Going On and Kind of Blue by Miles Davis. That's right. So yeah, so we're seeing a lot more diversity in this list, and it's it's been fun to, to start down this new path. Absolutely. As we've been doing with this uh, new rendition, we've sort of been diving right into details. Do you want to start with those tonight? I'd love to. I want to read one quote that I pulled. It's kind of a generic comment on the album I think is appropriate. It was the album that helped Aretha find her voice and become a voice for thousands of other women. And I like that as kind of a preface to listening to and talking about this album. Yeah, especially as we, we've continued to say that this new list is trying to tell a story. I mean, I think that yes. does such a good job at summarizing perhaps why it has moved up so far from number 84 to number 13. And I agree. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Well, without further ado, here are the details for this album. Details, 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 details. I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You was released March 10th, 1967, and it was Aretha's 11th studio album but her first with Atlantic Records. And I think that's why that quotation I read moments ago was so significant that this was really, uh, many articles I read said this was her breakthrough album. Yeah. She was well-known. She was already well-known, uh, but this really just 
put her into uh, onto another level. Songs were written by various people, uh, some already well-known artists. Uh, about I think about five or six uh, co-written by Aretha. Uh, it charted uh, number two, went up to number two on the Billboard charts, and number one on the R&B charts. I couldn't find a total sales number to date. However, the one stat I did find was that it sold in 1967 alone sold half a million copies and that's pretty significant for kind of a breakthrough album and and also an album back in 67 absolutely uh i think another key uh, not to take anything away from aretha at all but it was produced by jerry wexler who's very famous producer at the time produced many of the greats coming out of the 60s the signature song from this album respect uh, was a number one single hit single for Aretha, and also um, the title track "I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You" was uh, number nine single. So two successful singles. And when Rolling Stone listed the Women in Rock 50 Essential Albums in 2002, and again in 2012, this album was number one. So it is still being heralded as a very very important album i think most of what i read about this album as well was that this is really where she found her voice and perhaps it was uh producer jerry wexler but um for the first time it seemed like she sort of shifted from being talented person that the studios were telling what to do with her talent right to sort of like emerging as a you know i'm gonna pour my entire self what I believe is good into this music, I think catapulted her into a different kind of stratosphere beyond just a talented singer to um, someone who could also express more emotion, um, tell a story and and really make a a statement with with this piece of music. We'd love to talk about the album covers. Uh, This one uh, is, I I wasn't familiar with this cover. Like I know some of the songs, um, but had you seen this picture before, Ben? I don't think so. I'm not sure it would have stuck with me much if I had. Yeah. Just sort of, well, we could describe it, I guess, briefly. She's kind of looking down. She's interestingly positioned kind of on an angle. It almost looks like she turned the LP like (laughs) so that it was a diamond shape instead of a rectangle. Then it would be the correct sort of uh, posture. Um, And almost a blank gaze on her face. Uh, I, I was trying to s- see this as a woman with power and strength um, mm-hmm. you know, calling on us to offer more respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, um, and yeah. wondered if that posture is like, uh, you know, uh, a significant person looking down over a balcony, perhaps, at uh, admiring sure. followers or something like that. She's definitely like dressed up to the nines, as yes. they say, and um, and looks fantastic. There's sort of a, uh, what I think of at least is like an 80s, uh, sorry, an 80s studio photography glow aura kind of all around <laughs> the edge. Um, but I, I, you know, especially as a sort of teenage boy and probably even into my 20s, this isn't a, an album cover that I would have been like, oh, wow, what's going on there? I probably would have just, you know, if I'd <laughs> yeah. seen it in a record bin or a CD uh, shelf flipped right by without thinking much about it. Yeah, it's just just an old album from the '60s, right? With you know, singer songwriter uh, something. Yeah, yeah. Thinking of everything else that we've seen, it's I think it's fairly modern for '67, perhaps. Um, and uh, but the one thing to me that really places it firmly in the '60s is the the lettering, yeah. kind of 
bubble lettering almost call it it's i'd expect it on a like a psychedelic like a Jimi hendrix album yep a kind uh kind of lettering and that to me makes it dated but the it's great shot great picture she looks fantastic uh, and, and yeah that aura on the outside that kind of camera effect it's kind of again a little dated but it, it's nice it's a yeah. nice shot uh, the colors are very like mauves and light blues very soft yeah. pastels that's the that's the word that comes to mind when i look at this is soft yeah. and then uh which is contrasting the music which is very right powerful powerful yeah. like there are softer tunes but the, it's just to me the the word that comes to mind when i think about the album which we'll get into in a minute is is power powerful absolutely this this album might uh i'm glad you said that about 1967 and sort of certain elements mm. draw you to that time and others don't because i think this music also is hard for me to place i think this is maybe the the album so far in our journey through 60 some odd albums that has been the biggest reminder that i don't fully understand popular music's history very well <laughs> right 1967 is when we're seeing sort of psychedelic music we're seeing um, you know the beatles getting to their peak in, in many different ways uh, the other day, just off mic, we were talking about other albums from this list that came out in 1967. Right. And uh, of the ones we re- we've reviewed so far, it includes like The Velvet Underground and Nico, uh, Sgt. Pepper's, Are You Experienced with uh, the Jimi Hendrix Experience, and then The Doors self-titled album. Oh, and 1967's also um, Love's Forever Changes. Yes. All those albums yep. sort of fit together for me in sort of like a genre stylistically. This does not. And, and I think if I had listened to this without knowing the year of its release, I would have placed it earlier in the 60s, perhaps, uh, maybe even 50s, like sort of a Motown sort of sound. Yeah. There's a, there's a few things on it that sound more 60s, more rock and roll. But the cover, too, is like, I, I don't know where to place it. Is this sort of 80s? Is it... <laughs> classically 50s 60s is it uh like you said the font really does scream 60s and i don't know if that's because this is something that broke the mold or if it's because what we're dealing with here is something that's somewhat timeless but uh I, you know that that's been a struggle in this week that i've been spending more time with this album to sort of like figure out its place in music's history it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. No, that's a, that's a good point, and I think that it it shows the diversity, yeah, of the music at the time and and how music has evolved and all the different kind of paths music was on. I believe you had mentioned a few episodes ago, Ben, the significance of this year, and I think you had said that this is the champion for the most the the year with the most albums on this list. Is that correct? Oh, it might be. Sounds very wise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just counted and there's on this version of the list there's 16 albums wow. from this year and I counted there's another 9 
that are on previous versions of this list, but not on this list. So a total of 25 across all the lists for one year. Wow. Um, and we've talked, I, I think uh, 1969 comes in a close second. Oh, actually 18 on this list from 1969, so more. Slightly, but it, it's still a monumental sort of space yeah. Music oh, ab- absolutely, and, and just again the volume of music that was and s- music and significant music that changed the path of music and culture coming out of this year's. And I think right. that I'm so glad that this album is not only represented on the list but very high up because I think we'll see how it affected music going forward. An example of that uh, dynamic is the year we were born, 1982, has five albums on this list you know so other other (laughs) years you know just picking at random have far fewer albums oh um, yeah than these sort of late 60s years do i know that you're not familiar with this album so what did you expect before you hit play what was your what was your expectation of what it would be like yeah you know i i was thinking about some of the albums we reviewed so far where we've talked about the idea of the artists had become bigger than the artists themselves. I think about Elvis, Ray Charles, uh, maybe even Stevie Wonder. You know, just growing up, we knew about these people, even if we didn't really know anything actually about them. Yeah, They're bigger than themselves in some ways. And I think yeah. that's the case for Aretha. You know, her name so. immediately makes me think of respect. But I also immediately think of like pop culture references as well, like Michael Scott from The Office trying to say R-E-S-P-E-C-T, but stumbling <laughs> over it. Respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. <laughs> you know, those sorts of things are a reminder that this person is, has reached sort of like pinnacle pop culture status, but if we're not careful, they become trivialized, I guess, in a way that isn't always acknowledging the power that they actually had. So I I think I had a lot of stereotypes in my head before sitting down with this and was quite impressed by the varied nature of this album. And and it was more than just sort of anthemic R-E-S-B-E-C-T, but but other things too. Um, But my preconceived notions, I think, were that it was just going to be like powerful black woman ballads (laughs) the whole time. Mm. And, and, um, And I'm glad that it's so much more than that. It's been really healthy, I think, for me to start to think about her beyond that one very famous song that that immediately comes to my mind. Right. What about you? I had three predictions before I started, because again, I was not, I think looking at the track list, Respect was the only one that I was familiar with, at least her version. Uh A change is going to come. I, I thought that name was familiar and I have heard that, but not her version. So three things. One, I expected her vocal would be amazing, but not surprising. Uh-huh. So, like, I expected it to be good, but not like, oh, man, it's really that good. Number two, I, th- I expected the recording quality to be subpar. So that, like, her vocal would be good and the songs would be okay, but the recording wouldn't be great. Yeah. And I expected that the supporting music would be forgettable. So that it would mostly just be her singing, but the the musicians and the songs wouldn't be that great outside of her voice. Uh, I can say after listening to it, I was wrong on all three. (laughs) Her vocal was amazing and was surprising. There were some songs I went, wow. Yeah. I, I know she's one of the best ever, but 
wow, this is this is great. And to hear her in her prime, to hear the power uh, behind her voice at a young age, just the power and control. Because sometimes yeah. we hear a powerful voice, but it's just there's no control. There is a lot of great control and range. The recording quality was very good. All different instruments. I mean, sometimes things like uh, drums and bass are really lacking. Whether this is remastered or not, I don't know. But it, it sounded very good. Yeah. It was a good recording, good yeah. quality. And the supporting musicians were also very, very good. There's yeah. a lot. There's guitar <laughs> parts. There's sax parts. There's other uh, instrumental parts and vocal other vocalists. Aretha's sister being one that, that are fantastic. Like she, you can't. I think personally, as a solo artist, you can't have a great album without great support. Right. You can sing your heart out um, with incredible talent, but if you don't have a great supporting band musicians behind you, it, it's not going to sound good. It's like ha- it's like buying that five thousand dollar guitar and plug it into a crap amp. It's going to sound yeah. like crap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I was happily wrong. <laughs> on all those things uh, and and that was good i, I was i was happy because i thought it would just be again exactly what you said ben this is this is a person who's uh, an artist who's in name in in figure in imagery has become bigger than the music itself yep you know her person like like elvis elvis's music is great yet he everybody knows elvis even if they've never heard a song right yep uh so that's what i thought it would be um but it wasn't it was better than that way better I think one of the best surprises on this was that it wasn't like, well, I guess I already referenced it didn't, it didn't just rehash the same thing over and over. I think about an album that felt that way to me was when we went through Little Richard, you know, like three Mm. tracks in, you kind of get the impression of what it's going to (laughs) be. Right. And while there's a, a quality to Aretha's voice that never goes away, there's some similarities with all the tracks here. Each one has its own personality and vibe and feeling, and uh, and sort of the power is directed in a different kind of way. It's not just we figured out our formula, folks. Let's just redo that over and over again. And I think there's there's so much more here than I think I was anticipating. For sure. Yeah, I think back to when we listened to music by the girl group The Crystals uh, from the early '60s on that uh, Phil Spector compilation yeah and how i felt song after song was you know musically lyrically very very similar yeah and and that was i kind of thought i'd get some of that that Mm -hmm. yes the vocal would be good uh yes respect would be great but after that it would just all be the same and and totally agree with you uh so many different feelings different moods different vibes uh it's very very well-rounded album Ben, I want to. We, we talked about the music. I want to talk to lyri- about the lyrics a little bit. Obviously, yeah. res- respect um, is a big one. Has been an anthem for for women for decades. Uh, it continues to be for strong, powerful, independent women. And this song, uh, I heard a version of this by the original author, artist Otis Redding. He wrote it and released it in '65. It was. A single off an album that he did in 65 uh went to number five in 65 and then jerry wexler had aretha doing it while recording for this one and she kind of made a new arrangement she changed the tempo the rhythm uh added a bunch of lyrics like spelling out respect that was new the sakatomi uh, was new with all the backing vocals uh she added all that her and her sister carolyn who was who was uh, on the album as well and they changed the gender 
like some of the some of the the pronouns they changed that too and where it was about the original version was more a, a desperate man a desperation like uh, when I come home you know give me respect uh, this is more in a a woman in position of power you know about they give you all my money but one thing I ask for is your respect you know it's like right. it's right. it's it's flipping it's flipping the tables on the traditional <laughs> view of a woman yeah I mean that's very progressive e- even I like to think of you know coming through the the sexual into the sexual revolution but uh, very very I think very progressive for most circles in 1967 I think you can get lost in the power of her voice and even the song titles and assume that this is mostly songs about romance but there's a lot of power dynamics here in in several of these songs even the title track uh, which at first glance looks like oh you know writing this sweet song to someone you love is really about like the dangers of falling in love with someone who's not right for you and and the power that they have over you if you're not careful and uh that dynamic is you know we've we've said a couple of times that neither you or i are are really lyrics persons (laughs) but uh and and i know i'm guilty of like just kind of um enjoying a song on superficial value and and not getting any deeper than that but i i think you're missing something here if you don't recognize you know that the depth and the power of of what she's writing about here um her voice is powerful enough that uh you can feel emotion when you listen but sometimes i think it's misdirected in what we assume she's singing out about without listening to what she's actually talking about the lyrics struck me on a few songs one that i listened to several times just because i was taken by the lyrics was uh, do right woman do right man I really, I really like that one. Uh, uh, a woman's only human. You should understand. She's not just a plaything. Yeah. She's flesh and blood, just like her man. <laughs> if you want to do right all day, woman, you got to be a do right all night man. <laughs> be faithful, right? So, yeah, yeah. it touches on a lot of uh, sensitive topics, especially we think about you know this is over fifty years ago. Um, still, in a lot of places, a man could do what he wanted. Yeah, a woman had to stay put and was still for the man, you know, in a very biblical sense. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. Later in the song, they say that it's a man's world, but you can't prove that by me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I, it's it's a little cheeky, um, and and I love it. And it and again, it's um, is it just me or is it very progressive? Yeah, I find it hard to put my like, you know, I guess you really got to know history, but put yourself back in '67. This is. Uh, yeah, this is power right here, and I really, I really like it. Just, I don't usually sit with the lyrics in front of me, and sometimes, depending on the song and the artist, it's hard to hear every word or uh-huh. get it the first time. But even the first time, just hearing that, I went, "Ooh, wow! Whoa, that's wow! That's strong! That's that's powerful! I really like that." And and I mean, you you put yourself out there even today as a woman. Yeah, think about someone like. Um, Many women have done this, but but Taylor Swift doing she did a song on one of her recent albums called uh, "Shooting." Is it called "The Man"? Have you heard that? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Just saying how her career would be different, if, and if she was a man, would she not be criticized? So I think when you start speaking that kind of power from that side of it, uh, how life's different for a woman and some of the struggles, and and also asserting, well, I want you to 
you should behave like this. You know, right. <laughs> you, you open yourself up to a lot of criticism. So I don't know that that necessarily came her way in 67, but definitely you could see, uh, you could see how that could happen. Yeah. I was thinking about the, um, the conversation we had about Lauren Hill and, you know, in the, in the, especially in that one powerful music video, you know, kind of comparing and contrasting eras, uh, especially for women and how they are supposed to dress and appear and act and things like that. And, and thinking like, here's Aretha, you know, 30 years prior, you know, singing about some of those same things, a little bit more coded and hidden, mm -hmm. uh, not quite as pointed, but, but still there and still powerful and still, um, making a difference um, if you click through on the wikipedia page for this album you can get to uh the page for do right woman do right man and and there's this like kind of comically long list of people who've covered the song and a oh, lot okay. of them are powerful what we think of as iconic female lead vocalists like Cher, joan baez etta james right sinead o'connor whitney houston um, like I think, I think this song has held because it's still relevant, right? Um, still needs to be discussed, still needs to yeah. be tackled, um, race and, and gender issues in our society. You know, she was thinking about these things that don't seem to go away, no matter how hard we try, um, to tackle some of them. Did you have a favorite song on the album as, as you listened through it? So one of the songs that really stands out for me when I listen to this album is Save Me because I, I'm not expecting to have such a guitar-driven song here. Like right, it fits, yeah. Uh, if I can wrap my he head around the fact that this is a 1967 album, it, it fits quite well. <laughs> but but it almost like sounds like something, you know, if you added in a Jimi Hendrix uh, solo in there somewhere, that it could, it could be on a Jimi Hendrix Experience album. <laughs> right, like it's got that like kind of crunchy driving electric guitar under it and um, and lyrics that kind of go all over uh, and her her wail too is almost got like a, oh. a zeppelin-esque kind of sound to it when she's when she's really belting it out there in that in that track really unique and something again I, you know i feel like i'm saying this over and over but another sort of direction genre wise that i wasn't anticipating the, the, the diversity of this album Save Me was the one that I was going to comment on that it was one I felt it was familiar in some way but I don't I don't know that I can say that I've heard it before but I yeah. I love like so many things about it the guitar this the sax and trumpet lines her vocal <laughs> I think it might be my favorite vocal performance on the album um, she absolutely kills it yeah but you're right it reminds me of some of the other like folk rock acts from <laughs> from this is like you know a buffalo springfield or i don't know stuff like that um the other you talked about different genres in um don't let me lose this dream has almost like a, a bossa nova type feel to it oh yeah uh, which was kind of popular at the time too so like so really uh between her and the other people working on this album they've again we've, we've said this already but it's it's diverse it's very diverse <laughs> And again, I know I mentioned before, a reminder of how great the backing musicians are. Yep. Like yeah. it's such a big part of so many of these songs. It's not just, it's not, it's not a one, as they say, a one horse show. Yep. She's definitely at the forefront. It showcases her 100%. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, great support. 
I get the impression that the albums that came before this, and I unfortunately have not had enough time to go do the homework mm. of going through them, but that, that she was more like a lounge singer, like someone who could really belt it out, but it was sort of smoother, big band kind of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and that Don't Let Me Lose This Dream track, I wonder if that's oh. holding on just a little bit to maybe what she would have sounded like uh, before. Um, it's a great track and not something that I would say is not fitting with the rest but it, it does have a more like chill lounge vibe to it That's so good <laughs> <laughs> especially when Absolutely. the uh the chorus comes in too like when they're all harmonizing over yeah. that sort of walking jazz sound it's really really cool <laughs> and uh aretha plays piano on like most of the album i think amazing yeah because so that's the other thing for so many of the female vocalists in history i think of like uh, even more so than the men, and I'm not sure why I do this, or I guess it's just kind of just the stigma of it that that that's all they do, right? They just sing. Yep. <laughs> and and we kind of we then go well, you know, I I think when someone doesn't play an instrument, we immediately assume they don't have musical talent, or at least in in terms of writing or theory goes, there's like an assumption there. Or this yeah. might just be me. I guess I can't speak for everyone, but I think there is that yeah. stigma there that well, they're just a vocalist. Yep. which one is not fair and two is often not true uh, yeah. and so many artists we've seen I mean when we talked about Joni I mean Joni was very famously a, a guitar like she was very often seen with singing with her guitar especially on the earlier days into the later 70s and 80s you see her on stage more just with a microphone but yep, uh, yeah Aretha here not just singing helping write the songs and playing piano awesome and again i don't know why i feel oh well that's better i shouldn't be thinking well i like them more now that i know that she you know played piano because that shouldn't matter really yeah (laughs) i guess it's just you know like if it's a good vocal it's a good vocal i shouldn't say it's a good vocal but she didn't write the song but she didn't play an instrument well that who cares yeah (laughs) that (laughs) that shouldn't matter but for some reason we're kind of we've been i guess conditioned it as a very amateur musician myself it is impressive when i learn people can do that yeah it's one thing to just replicate something but to create it's is awesome so ben what two songs would we pick for our spotify playlist and if you're new to the sound logic podcast we do have a playlist on spotify it's called uh, sound logic favorites and every time we review an album we pick two tracks to go on the playlist so you can listen to oh we're up to what about 150 200 songs on there from all the albums we've reviewed so far (laughs) i mean i'm waiting for you to pick respect so i can pick something else and maybe you're waiting for me to to do the same thing that was the question i had do we do we go with that super familiar track even though everyone already kind of knows it or do we pick two that are a bit more obscure I, i don't know I think I don't know. I feel like we have to pick respect, but then okay. who gets to pick? Who gets to pick the other one? You you can have that honor. I will, I will gladly hand that off to you. Well, I really appreciate that. I'm I'm gonna pick save me. All right, those are good choices. There there are a couple I really like. Do right woman, do right man. Uh, Change is gonna come, which was a Sam Cooke song. I really like her version of that. Save me just kind of kind of blew me away, kind of woke me up. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's my choice. Uh, but yeah, you gotta you gotta put respect on there. It, Perfect. Well, they are there. 129 songs now. Okay, so here's a tricky one because this is older music, different genre. Uh, is this album still relevant? 
I agree. It's a challenge. Um, this music to me feels both from another era and also like it could be performed by a, a really talented vocalist today. Hmm. Um, and also that it's it's got a timelessness to it that I can't quite put my finger on. I think that means that it's relevant <laughs> for all yeah, of those yeah, things to be true. Yeah, if you got but, if it checks all the boxes, <laughs> it walks like a duck. It feels more influential than like currently relevant. I, I guess. Okay, I I like that. I like that comment. Even though there's a there's a power there, and I I guess you know relevancy. You know we, we struggle with this a lot on a list like this where some of the albums are there because they're clearly still great and others are there because they've influenced and um i think there's both present in her in her music so yeah i guess i'd say yes <laughs> it's a short <laughs> long and winding short answer <laughs> I, feel, yeah. I feel like you had to convince yourself a <laughs> yeah, bit but, so. but that's where you've landed <laughs> um right, right. first i want to say respect the song is just timeless mm -hmm. i don't feel any sense that that song is losing any steam yeah. in terms of people still connecting with it from the first note everybody knows what that is yep and the guitar and the sax at the beginning who what you want you know everybody yeah. like everybody yeah. knows what that is and right. and it's it's a it's a fun happy song even if you don't want to dig deeper into some of the meaning some of the, the power behind it yeah so that song alone i think just carries this album some of the sounds are a little dated but i think in general just the power and the talent of her vocal makes this if not something that you would play right now certainly something that would still be inspiring and still be you would still be teaching this yeah to students you would still be saying to your kids you know oh if you like that you're gonna love this you know yeah. like it's something yeah. that i think people so my answer is of course yes yes it's relevant um you might not make this music in the same way if you're going to redo the songs of course you could probably say that for just about everything that's over 50 years old but sure um yeah yes definitely still relevant i think how does that lead into uh this position on the list is it sound logic to have it here well, it was 84. It's moved up to 13. The one thing that this we've talked about, this list does very well, is uh, diversity. Mm -hmm. However, I want to make one comment as we're starting to move through this. I, I don't like diversity for diversity's sake. We're going to throw this in even though it's not that good, but we just wanted, you know, like to have th th this token person placed here just to, <laughs> yeah. you know, just to, just to appease everybody. Yeah. So I think that we can tread close to that at times i don't think that's the case here i think that this is a powerful iconic influential female artist that should be up near the top of the list yeah i think she opened up new avenues and uh, paved new pathways for artists and s continues to inspire so yes i'm happy to see it vault up to the top 15 i think that She's in good company, you know, coming right after, you know, Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder and yeah. Prince, Lauren Hill, all these other great artists that are in the top 10. I, I think so. I, I'm tempted to say a little too high, but just because it vaulted so much, but I don't think that's 
I don't think I think you have to consider them as two different lists. We've talked to it. Oh, I moved yeah. from here to here, but but I think right. you have to consider them as two totally different lists. It's like yeah. where does it fall in this list in this time? And I think it makes sense. What do you think? I think I'm going to agree with you um, for the most part. I I think perhaps had we still been on the other list, I would have said something like, "It just doesn't fit. Like it doesn't sound like a Rolling Stone magazine album to me." And yet, uh, you know, the the times when Rolling Stone has listed the greatest, what was the the early in our um, in our details segment? There was a. Uh, a list that she continues to show up on of the sort of greatest women in rock and roll. And yeah. I think because there are some sort of blues and rock elements on this album, um, it probably does make more sense to have it here than, uh, than I give it credit for. Um, I think I'm still thinking about the Aretha Franklin stereotype in my head rather than what I'm actually listening to when I say that. Yeah, I actually kind of like that it's moved up as high as it has. And I think I wonder a little bit why it's maybe not even a bit higher because of its longevity, who she is, the sort of celebrity and stardom. And so, you know, it's got all that. Plus, it's clearly been influential. It's clearly still got a message that we need to be hearing. You know, in, in some ways, it's, it's got all of the same credentials that what's going on has. And yet it's here at 14 instead of up at number one. And so... Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's an interesting. Um, it's a. It's an interesting album to have this conversation about because I think there are reasons it could be even higher, and there are probably reasons like you suggested that it might be a little too high, and um, mm-hmm. maybe that means it's in the right spot. <laughs> I think so. And again, I, I wish I knew more about her music in general and more about these songs. I feel like, other than respect. There's not as many like really, really big hits, iconic songs that we see yeah. on some of the other albums. But yep. it's, again, it's not just about hits. It's about influence. And I understand that. But yeah, I think I think this is a good a good spot. Happy to happy to talk about it here. Absolutely. So, Ben, does Aretha Franklin have any other albums on the top 500? Will we get to talk about her again? Yeah, we will. Um, the earlier lists had a pair of Aretha Franklin albums stacked next to each other um mm-hmm. 2003 the book and the 2012 list had this album paired with lady soul back to back at 83 and 84 or 84 and 85 depending on which list you're looking at this right. this time around um i never loved a man the way that i love you moves all the way up here to 13 lady soul has moved up just slightly to number 75 uh, it it's an album that came out one year later in 1968 and right. two more albums were added to this list uh, this time around. We've got um, her 1972 album, Amazing Grace, at 154. And somewhat interestingly, another album from 1972, Young, Gifted, and Black, comes in at number 388. So we will huh. get uh, three more opportunities to um, revisit this incredible queen of soul and um, talk more about where, her, where these albums fall into the greatest albums of all time. Awesome. Yeah. Well, this was great. And yeah. so I'm looking forward to those albums. Absolutely. going to be a, a little bit of time before we get to the next one. But um, yeah, fantastic. Great music. What do we got coming up next time? Well, coming up next, we visit our old friends. But for the first time on this list, when we talk about album number 14, which is Exile on Main Street by the Rolling Stones. Bro. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, no spoilers, but um, we've had some challenges with this band. Uh, right. But you're going to have to wait until next time to hear about that. Uh, until then, Ben, thank you for sharing this time with me. Absolutely, my friend. Always a pleasure. Likewise, and thank you for joining us here. We'll talk to you next time on the Sound Logic Podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.